Get ready for a one-of-a-kind experience. Welcome, welcome to the Starter Zone, your home for the weekly news from around the world. Your host for this journey, Amanda. That rat said we're getting more winter, didn't he? She's going to bring you everything you need to hear about entertainment, gaming, and maybe just a little bit bizarre. Hold tight, because here she comes. Well, thank you so much, Raven, for that warm, warm welcome. Hello, everybody. Good day to you all, and welcome back to the Starter Zone. I am your guide, Amanda. Hey, kids, guess what day it is? Today is the 2nd of February. We made it out of January, and it is Groundhog Day. I've already got the movie queued up, the popcorn's popped, but first, let's get to some headlines. Taylor Swift is not leaving the news cycle anytime soon. Really, but this story, it's a little different. Jim Harbaugh has a new job. We're going to talk a little bit more about Netflix. Holly Shore has an update. There's a very big layoff that happened at Activision, and this one got uglier as it went on. We've got some odd news and more. Come get comfy, my friends. Let's get started. Time to load up the music news. Social media users that were starting to search up Taylor Swift's name on Twitter X were in for a really rude surprise on Saturday, January the 27th. And look, Let's be honest here. There are a lot of people searching for Taylor just these last few months, thanks to her new relationship with NFL star Travis Kelsey. So social media users that were typing in the 34-year-old pop star's name in the search box on Twitter X, they were receiving the following error message. It said, uh, something went wrong, try reloading. Now, Swift's official X Twitter X account was still accessible on Saturday afternoon. Okay. The search issue on Twitter X arrived days after sexually explicit deep fake images of Swift began circulating online. There was a post that was featuring photos shared through Twitter X on January 25th, and it was viewed 47 million times before the account was eventually suspended the following day. Twitter X went on to shut down several accounts that posted the fake images, but the images have since been shared on other social media platforms. And really, right after that, Protect Taylor Swift was starting to trend on Twitter X. The White House even got involved and spoke out after the scandal, calling for legislation to protect victims of online harassment. And even White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre called the incident alarming and that 
<clears throat> the negatives of AI is something that the Biden administration is focusing on. Okay, it's, it's something that's really been in talks for a while, especially with SAG after y'all remember that strike last year. Well, they ended up releasing a statement on the matter and wrote the development and dissemination of fake images, especially those of a lewd nature, without someone's consent must be made illegal. As a society, we have it in our power to control these technologies, but we must act now before it's too late. Now, the Actors Union called the images upsetting, they were harmful, and deeply concerning. Now, thankfully, the images were taken down, and they were, it was handled fairly rapidly, but you got to wonder, is this a trend that's going to continue? And to be honest, I'm already hearing other cases where things didn't end so well, that there was a similar issue and things took a really bad turn for the worse. Uh, so honestly, it's probably going to continue unless there is some sort of legislation. Now, is that the way to go? Don't know yet. This is still relatively newish. Uh, it is a concern. And I'm very sorry to hear that anybody who's having to deal with this, honestly, and that hopefully the perpetrators will be found because that, I mean, look, you're going to deep fake something, something silly, something simple. We've had deep fakes go around of, you know, if this actor had taken on this role, what it would, what, you know, what would it look like? And those are cute. Those are clever. They're harmless. It's just kind of a, Hey, I'm going to use the technology to see what it's going to come up with. But when you do this and you're doing it where, it puts the actor, actress, performer, person, human being in a an explicit setting that they don't know about, that they have no control over, that it's not them, and you're just willy-nilly throwing them around. I mean, that is super harmful because you know there's going to be somebody who's going to do it to someone else, and they're going to get bullied for it, and it's just going to end in tragedy. And it's already happened. It really has. So... I mean, I guess I'm glad it happened to Taylor because now we really have people looking into this and realizing, oh, this is really a problem. It just sucks that it had to, to, it had to go this far for people to really pay attention and realize, oh, we have this issue. This is really what, what people have been talking about, the dangers of AI. Okay, well, hopefully something will happen soon. So. We're going to keep an eye on that story. Thankfully, Lisa, those images were taken down and hopefully it will not continue. I just, I feel it will just for a little while longer. So, all right, guys, let's go ahead and move over and kick off with some sports news. University of Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh has well, a really busy football season behind him. He led Michigan to three consecutive Big Ten championships, three straight appearances in the college football playoff, and a perfect 15-0 record just this past season that saw the Wolverines crowned the 2023 national champions. And this came after he was suspended for the first three games of the 2023 season due to violating recruiting regulations and then suspended again in December for the last three games for sign-stealing allegations. Kind of a busy dude. Well, he's going to be even busier now. He's leaving Michigan, guys, and Harbaugh is headed to Los Angeles to coach the L.A. Chargers in the NFL. Now, fun story, though. Harbaugh is actually a former quarterback for the Chargers. He played there during the 1999 and 2000 seasons, 
And then he coached he coached the San Francisco 49ers from 2011 to 2014. In those four years, he led the 49ers to three straight NFC Championship games, and that includes an appearance in a Super Bowl. Now, Harbaugh spent the last nine years at his alma mater as the head football coach, University of Michigan. He brings with him into L.A. a winning culture. He had a 144-52 record as a college head coach, and as an NFL coach, he was 49-22-1. That was his record. Pretty good pickup, honestly, for the Chargers, especially after the season Harbaugh had. I know that there's, a, you know, this the, the bad juju of the, oh, the sign stealing and the uh, the recruiting allegations and so forth, and those are pretty alarming. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to sweep it under the rug. But overall, he's still a good coach. He was good enough that he had a good team behind him, a good coaching team behind him, that he disappeared for six games out of the season, and they still went on to win the 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 championship you know 15 and 0 with the championship and he was gone for six games pretty pretty good setup if you ask me so excellent pickup for the chargers and now we're looking forward to see what he does this uh, next coming football season and honestly <clears throat> we're still early in the season for coachings uh, the hirings and the movers and the shakers and so forth. So I'm expecting to hear more new coach hirings in the next few weeks. We're still doing Belichick watch after he has parted ways with the New England Patriots. We don't know where he's going to end up, if he's going to end up anywhere. Uh, so that one, I'm on the lookout, and I'll let you know as soon as I hear something. All right, now for some entertainment news. Our last episode, we talked about Netflix entering into this huge agreement with the World Wrestling Entertainment Group, and they're going to have exclusive broadcasting rights to the WWE show Raw. So my first question after hearing this was, how much is this going to cost? And how much of it is going to cost the viewers? Well, Netflix says that it had a second straight quarter of strong growth in their ad-supported tier. Though that business, you know, it's still in its infancy. They really just launched this. But the ad tier has gotten large enough, however, for the company to start retiring the cheapest ad-free option later this year. So, with the growth of the ad tier, the company repeated its plans to phase out the basic membership in the coming months. So, not really news, but... Kind of more of a reiteration of, yes, we're actually going forward with this. And so it's going to retire the plan, currently the least expensive ad-free option at Netflix, for all subscribers in Canada and the UK in the spring, and, quote, we'll take it from there, according to the company that they sent a letter to their shareholders. Now, Netflix actually stopped offering basic for new subscribers late last year in 2023. In the letter to the shareholders, Netflix leaders also signaled the potential for price hikes. Surprise! They said, as we invest in and improve Netflix, we'll occasionally ask our members to pay a little extra to reflect those improvements, which in turn helps drive the positive flywheel of additional investment to further improve and grow our service, the letter noted. Now, look, is this really a surprise? 
Netflix spends a lot of money on its original programming as well as licensing. So it's honestly not out of the realm to expect that Netflix is going to raise the prices soon as well as start streamlining their subscription offerings. So I've been expecting this. I mean, they pretty much raise the prices every year anyway. And with this kind of lucrative deal coming their way, and it's been it's been told to me, and I haven't confirmed, but the rumors are saying that the WWE programming, or at least Raw, will be ad-free. That's going to cost a pretty penny. So I am expecting to see some sort of price hike announced later this year. Anybody else remember back in the day when Netflix actually mailed out DVDs? It wasn't just streaming. Can't just be me, right? Well, speaking of back in the day, we talked last time about this new documentary regarding Richard Simmons, starring none other than Polly Shore, a name that we didn't hear for from in like a hot minute, right? Well, we're hearing it twice in one week, so let's see what happened. Buddy. So a father and daughter are suing Polly Shore for assault and battery in an alleged incident that took place at the Encino Man Stars Club, the Comedy Store. So this guy by the name of Sean Kehoe and his daughter, Kira Lynn Potts, they are alleging that the security staff, quote, violently grabbed and attacked, unquote, Kehoe and dragged him at the establishment, which is owned and operated by Shore's family. This happened, they say, back in November of uh, 2022. This is per the legal documents. They also claim that Polly Shore knew of the employee's plan to assault the father, Kehoe, and that he agreed with and encouraged these involved in the incident. Now, that is a heck of an allegation. I'll continue. In the suit, Kehoe is claiming that the altercation caused him to suffer from severe injuries. The pair are seeking compensation and damages for the past and future medical bills. We're talking Uh, loss of earnings, and uh, emotional distress and mental distress that they've allegedly been dealing with after the incident. That's a lot of damage being alleged, but let me ask you this. Did you notice what I did? I will wait a moment. What exactly led to this alleged assault? Look, I'm not saying the father and daughter are making this up, but I have questions. I have several questions. So one of the first things I'd like to know is what the lead up was to this assault. Because I highly doubt that Mr. Shore and his staff just singled these two people out randomly to violently attack them, you know, just for funsies. This is what we like to call missing context. So for all we know, speculation here, the father-daughter duo was being disruptive. They were being belligerent. They were giving warnings, a.k.a. targeted and then had to be escorted, or in this case, dragged out. And the more I think about it, that sounds a little more plausible than just some security guard going, hey, I don't like the looks of those two people over there in the corner, so we're just going to beat them up. Uh, Mr. Shore, are you cool with that? Yeah, I'm cool with it. Yeah, No, that's not what what I don't think happened. So um, they filed their lawsuit, and it's going to go to litigation. So best of luck. To them in court if it even gets that far. All right. Apparently, the Van Gogh Museum over in Amsterdam was partnered with the Pokemon Company to bring Van Gogh-styled Pokemon artwork to the iconic museum. And this was happening to celebrate the museum's 50th, 50th anniversary. 5-0. 
The Van Gogh Museum's partnership with the Pokemon Company included special paintings of Pikachu, Eevee, Snorlax, and other Pokemon drawn in a whole new way. All right, looking at the images, these paintings were just adorable. All done in the style of Van Gogh, and they were just fantastic. The artwork for the Van Gogh Museum was announced back in September of 23, and apparently scalpers swarmed the exhibit almost immediately to get their hands on these special Pokemon promo cards. Pokemon merch for the Van Gogh collaboration was sold out days later. It didn't take long. And the Pokemon company ended up apologizing to fans. So weeks later, because of all, all this mess, the museum ended up just removing the Pokemon promotion cards altogether because of safety concerns. There's a specific one that's a Pikachu, and he's drawn with wearing a gray felt hat that was specifically sought after. It's mimicked after the self-portrait of Van Gogh where he's wearing the hat. I mean, it, it, it looks beautiful, honestly. And it just would have been so cool to see this particular display. I would have loved to go gone to Amsterdam for this one. Pikachu! Ah, uh, but I would be remiss if I didn't tell you what else went on at this museum. Wild conduct, misconduct, apparently appeared by a handful of Van Gogh Museum employees during this exhibit over the past few months. And as such, a new report was released saying at least four workers have been suspended and won't be returning at all, including one who spent 25 years there. Okay, well, I hope whatever they did was worth throwing that career out the door. Well, apparently, one particular employee stole a whole box of Pokemon cards during the special exhibit. And this exhibit ran from September to January the 7th. Meanwhile, others supposedly provided ticket purchase info to people that broke codes of conduct for the museum staff. Okay, so in other words, they told the visitors in various ways about when they could buy tickets. They were trying to make this fair to everybody because they knew it was going to be popular. And so you had all these scalpers who were trying to buy the tickets and, and scammers and what have you. The report disclosed sort of what the employee of 25 years did and it was not worth their job they literally just they didn't adhere to the quote procedures and codes of conduct for the staff that member was one of the ones that disclosed the ways of the force sorry sorry wrong franchise they they helped visitors game the system to buy tickets. That's literally what they did. Absolute mess on that end there. Four employees are not welcome back because of those shenanigans. This hopefully won't stop the museum and the Pokemon Company from working together again because it was a successful exhibit and the paintings were adorable. It got huge attention from Pokemon fans. So it looked like it was going to be a lucrative partnership and hopefully we'll see it come back around or at least you know that'd be so cool if they could tour it too because that way I wouldn't have to fly to Amsterdam to see it other than in pictures but uh, you know great job for the Van Gogh Museum for figuring out what was going on and taking care of business all right guys it's time to download some gaming news
Apex Legends YouTuber and Twitch streamer Thornton Smash has been charged with second-degree assault and criminal mischief following his on-stream arrest back in December. Heck of a way to start the segment. So what exactly happened and, well, who is this guy? Thornton Smash, he's a popular Apex Legends content creator. He's got over, I think I looked at the numbers, 220,000 subscribers on his channel. And he's also participated in the Apex Legends esports through like managerial roles at Glitch Energy and Oxygen Esports, but parted ways with Oxygen back in October of 23. So here comes December the 21st, and Thornton Smash's Twitch stream ends really abruptly when an, an officer from the El Paso County Sheriff's Office enters the room. And it was initially unclear what had caused the police response. There was a lot of speculation that he'd been swatted. There's been a lot of swatting incidents lately, so not out of the realm of possibility, right? However, the Sheraton obtained some arrest records and showed that Thornton Smash, real name of Jordan, was actually taken into custody on a felony arrest warrant. He was charged with second-degree assault, strangulation, and criminal mischief to the value of $300 to $1,000. Now, Thornton was released from custody on bond Christmas Day. A preliminary hearing was set for January the 23rd at the Arapahoe County Justice Center in Colorado. In the state of Colorado, second-degree assault is a Class 4 felony. And as a crime of violence, it carries a mandatory sentencing of 5 to 16 years in prison. Now, he's also facing a Class 2 misdemeanor charge of criminal mischief and the aggregate damage to real or personal property. Strangely enough, for context, so nobody knows exactly what happened, why he's being charged, what's going on. But Thornton's ex-wife had put up a post on Twitter X back on November the 12th of 2023, and it simply stated two words, never again. That post has led a lot of people to hypothesize the cause of his arrest and subsequent charges against him. So... People are pointing fingers at her post and saying, this is a domestic violence issue. And she's pressing charges against him. But his preliminary hearing has already happened. Happened back on the 23rd. But no further news has been released. He's not talking. She's not talking. The police aren't talking. It's been pretty quiet. So we're monitoring for any changes. And as soon as we hear something, we're going to let you know. So our next story, it's got... What I'm starting to consider kind of a, of a dirty word, word layoff. We're going to talk some more layoffs. They continue to happen and just tear through the video game industry. And honestly, all, all pretty much any industry at this point. But video game industry is getting hit pretty hard. And they already had a pretty bad year last year. It was pretty rough for sales and staff, what have you. But they had a lot, a lot of layoffs happened last year too. But 2024... It's just continuing. And so we've had studios like CI Games, Behavior Interactive, Riot. We talked about them last time. They've all just let people go. And now it's Microsoft's turn. January 25th, a message from the Microsoft Gaming CEO, Phil Spencer, sent out a message to employees. And it said 1,900 employees were being laid off. And the message read something like this. It's been a little over three months since the Activision, Blizzard, and King teams joined Microsoft. 
As we move forward in 2024, the leadership of Microsoft Gaming and Activision Blizzard is committed to aligning on a strategy and an execution plan with sustainable cost structure that will support the whole of our growing business, unquote. There's a couple of words we've seen before, the sustainable cost structure, big buzzwords right now. Now, this message also emphasizes areas of, of overlap as the underlying root cause for the decision. They said, we've made the painful decision to reduce the size of our gaming workforce by I mean, approximately 1,900 roles out of the 22,000 people on the team. Now, Blizzard President Mike Ibarra also announced that he's stepping down from his position and sent out a message on Twitter X. He said, today is my last day at Blizzard, leading Blizzard through an incredible time and having, um, sorry, being part of the team, shaping it for the future head was an absolute honor. Having already spent 20 plus years at Microsoft and with the acquisition of Activision Blizzard behind us, it's time for me to once again become Blizzard's biggest fan from the outside. Strangely enough, Abara had previously indicated a desire to stay with the company. And according to Bloomberg's Jason Schreier, Abara said back in November 2023, and I remember this tweet, that someone would have to drag him out of Blizzard before he left. Whether he simply changed his mind, I mean, that was a couple months ago, things changed, or his departure was prompted by the layoffs not readily apparent just really curious i mean it could also be that he was offered a very generous package to get out we don't know the verge reported that the blizzard co-founder and chief design officer alan adam was also leaving the company on top of that microsoft's matt booty announced the end of blizzard's survival game which was rumored to be called Odyssey. He said Blizzard is ending development on its survival game project and is going to shift some of the people working on it to several promising new projects that Blizzard has in the early stages of development. Okay, so real talk. Layoffs after a merger or acquisition, they're absolutely 100% commonplace. And the layoff of nearly 2,000 people represents the dark side of large acquisitions like this one there is major restructuring happening overlaps are found it's not unheard of and it was actually to be expected i didn't expect they would be able to keep everybody because you do have those overlaps you've got those people doing the redundancies essentially is what they, what they are but that's not all that happened so that was just the beginning of it while this is all going on activision blizzard held their call of duty Boston Breach major event. And this was happening like days after the announcement of the layoffs. So we're dealing with the fallout of the announcement to begin with. And so this, this tournament's going on. Two days following the major came another announcement. The majority of the esports team at Activision Blizzard was let go. Scott Parkin, former senior manager of esports operations at Activision Blizzard, took to Twitter to confirm the news while venting frustration. Y'all, he was mad. He said, they did it. They actually did it. They let us work with that over our heads and laid us off on our first day off. The lack of common decency is a joke, unquote. 
Uh, sportscaster Matt Morello also confirmed that he had been let go as part of the layoffs. He said, unfortunately, today, along with a lot of other amazing esports folks, I have been let go from Blizzard, unquote. January 29th, Microsoft appointed former Activision executive Joanna Ferries as Blizzard's next president and is expected to start in her new role with Blizzard on February the 5th. There's currently no estimate as to how many people were let go from Activision Blizzard in this latest round. And it's unclear if those layoffs were part of the announced 1900 cuts. So we don't know if this is, oh yeah, as a part of the 1900, the esports team is going or it's 1900 plus the esports team. We're not sure. That said, it is rumored that the esports team is still there, but it's like a dozen people left within the company. And sources told Insider Gaming that the division isn't going away. There's just going to be a new business model to better align with the new goals for the team. But tweets from former employees all seem to confirm that there was literally like 12 people left. Not just euphemism 12. It's literally 12 people. So that now begs the question about the stability of esports. We've talked last time about Riot doing their layoffs and how that could affect their esports division. You just don't have the labor. How can you continue? So this one's going to be, you know, Call of Duty is a fun little tournament to watch for me. I say little, it's kind of big. It's a fun tournament to watch. And so our Call of Duty is like one of their biggest money makers. I just can't see that they're going to let that go. Esports is not self-sustaining. It's not super stable, but it's fun. It does draw a large audience. It does make some money. I don't see them getting rid of esports completely, but uh, this is going to be a very pivotal year to see where are they going to go? How much are they going to cut? If they're even going to be able to have all these tournaments? I don't know. We got so many kids out there that are kind of banking on being an esports person. Uh, going to college and getting scholarships for this stuff. And we got all these companies that are starting to cut back. Is that really going to, how many kids is that really going to mess up? Look, I'm not saying that they need to keep the esports division around just to help these kids get through college, but it's just kind of one of those, you can't really rely on it. This is a changing landscape. So I hope you'll have a backup plan. Now, speaking of cancellations, let's bring back to the discussion, the Embracer Group. A little bit of backstory on this one. Embracer Group acquired Eidos Montreal from Square Enix back in 2022. Relatively recent acquisition. And they also purchased the rights to franchises like Tomb Raider and Deus Ex. The company also said it envisioned great potential for a new IP, including some remakes, some sequels, and remasters. And there have just been rumors all over the place for the last month regarding a new deus ex game and i mean really for a while but it's really ramped up in the last couple weeks but the voice actor for the main character um voice actor elias tufexis said he hadn't been contacted about reprising his role as protagonist adam jensen i never asked for this name me one person who did Well, it was rumored then that if he hadn't been receiving any phone calls, then maybe this game would be coming out with, you know, a new protagonist. So not necessarily sad news, but, you know, fans of Tufexis were not happy about this. 
But now it seems that um, we might never see a new Deus Ex. Embracer Group has been aggressively, very aggressively, shutting down its studios ever since a rumored $2 billion, that's billion with a B, dollar deal with a Saudi-backed uh, group called the Savvy Games Group. They were trying to make this deal, and it fell apart, allegedly. So some studios that Embracer Group has shut down so far is Saints Row developer Volition and Time Splitters developer Free Radical Decision. Elex developer Piranha Bytes is also currently going through a pretty difficult time. They've got rumors circulating about a potential closure, and they're having trouble finding a partner for its next project. So now it's been made official that Embracer Group has reportedly canceled a new Deus Ex game. That was two years in development, and they've already started laying off staff at Eidos Montreal. So according to Bloomberg, the unannounced third mainline entry in the Deus Ex series was supposed to enter into actual production later this year, but they're going to end up focusing on an original franchise instead. <sighs> Montreal, Eidos Montreal released a statement on Twitter. They addressed the layoffs, but not the game cancellation. They don't want to talk about that. The studio said the global economic context, the challenges of our industry, and the comprehensive restructuring, restructuring announced by Embracer have finally impacted our studio. And the difficult decision has been made to let go 97 people from the development teams, administration, and support services. Eidos Montreal, y'all, this is a great studio. They honestly deserve so much better than this. I loved both Deus Ex games, and I absolutely would have purchased and played the next one. And, you know, honestly, they also did it. You feel, remember, they were the ones who did the most recent Guardian of the Galaxy game, and that was fantastic. It looked beautiful. And unfortunately, these announcements are becoming more and more commonplace. I ain't seen, seen it. I'm talking about this literally almost every episode at this point because it's like more and more news is coming about who's letting whom go. And I see on Twitter X all these former developers and workers and such trading information in there and there it's there's a slight beauty in what i'm seeing of here's a whole group of people that have been let go from their jobs unceremoniously and they're you know having to find a new job they're networking within each other i mean they've already kind of created their own networks otherwise they wouldn't have each other on each other's twitters uh, but it's really cool to see hey you know such and such just got information and they've been hired on in a new company and so it is really heartening to see that despite the negativity that I'm seeing with all the layoffs, there is some positivity coming out of it. So best of luck to everybody who is out there on the job market right now because I know it's tough. Uh, and hopefully we'll see you guys with some new roles coming up soon. Now, next story is about loss again, but this one is a little different. So many people that are involved or at least familiar with the streaming society is familiar with the name of Pokimane, a uh, real name of Iman Anise. She was one of the most popular streamers on Twitch until this week. She announced she's leaving the Amazon-owned platform and her 9.3 million followers. Now, following the announcement, she was kind of quiet about why she was leaving. But in a new episode of her podcast on Spotify, the streamer said that she'd probably still be streaming on Twitch if it wasn't for a rise in Manosphere Red Pill BS. 
that she sees coming from some of the most popular and well-established, typically male creators in the past couple of years. She said, some of the stuff I see them say and do just breaks my heart. Now, over the course of this hour-long episode, the streamer says more on that topic and details a number of other reasons for her departure from Twitch, which comes at the end of an exclusivity contract that she had with the platform. Now, she does say that she was incredibly grateful to have that have had that contract, which it guaranteed her income regardless of viewership. But she no longer wants to be exclusively tied to Twitch or any any other streaming site. She wants the freedom, okay? And the contracts are not as lucrative as they used to be, she said. And she thinks that having a quota for streaming hours can lead to prioritizing hours streamed versus how good the content that you're streaming is. Now, Twitch had recently changed this. They're no longer doing these big, huge exclusivity contracts. They're literally saying, okay, if you meet these metrics, we'll pay you out. And streamers are like, I don't like that. Twitch is like, sorry, that's the way it is. Now that she's, quote, free as a bird, Pokimane is going to experiment with other streaming platforms like YouTube and says that Twitch's messy management is part of the reason she's moving on. She criticized heavily its botched rule changes. For example, the nudity rule that they recently deployed and then very quickly walked back. It's management of partnerships, their marketing, moderation. It's inconsistent and it's ineffective wielding of bans. This is a very, very common complaint from streamers, whether they leave or not. Twitch has not historically been consistent with their rule changes and enforcing those rules against a rule breaker. To be honest, and this is just my opinion, the ban system they have is, is a joke. It's not effective at all. We see people performing you know, sexual acts on camera. I'm talking literally penetration or uh, self-pleasure. It's against the terms of service. They get caught. They get shamed. They get banned. TikTok. TikTok. Three days later, they're back. Maybe a week. Maybe that they're back. But then you have the goofy people over here that are faking being electrocuted by toasters. And they're getting banned for 30 days for self-harm. Go figure. Rinse, repeat. Rinse, repeat. All right. Back to Pokemon. So Pokemon hopes to expand her audience and provide better viewer experiences on other platforms away from what she's seeing as increasingly toxic Twitch streaming culture. There's a word for you. And she's citing this as the biggest thing driving her away from the site. Following, she had this period of optimism during her Fortnite and Among Us streaming days, but you know now she's like, it's a cesspool. Her hour-long podcast episode co covers other causes for her decision to ditch Twitch, which includes some BS crazy she says happened with a Twitch employee, but she didn't detail that one and the experience of being one of Twitch's faces. She also went on to do discuss today's other platforms in more depth, including the controversial gaming-focused kick, which she says she won't be doing. She is very anti-gambling, so kick was never an option for her. It, sticking with her morals, kick was never even on the radar. So her first ever YouTube stream actually went live yesterday on February the 1st best of luck to her honestly she does need to make her own path make, start making some of the best decisions for her and it sounds like twitch was no longer the place twitch did respond by saying she would always have a home there uh keeping that door open i mean it's not like they're banning her she's literally just deciding to walk away and their new ceo dan clancy he seems to be an honest bro he is 
I've watched some of his material. He seems open. He seems honest. He seems welcoming and warm. I think a lot of streamers are going to do well with his leadership, but she's like, it's just not the place for me anymore. So good luck to Pokimane, and uh, we'll see her on YouTube. Alrighty, guys, let's go check out some of our odd news of the week. And now for something different. So our first story, it's a little fishy. And no, guys, I'm not talking about Bass Pro again. No, no Bass Pro this week. There's a Utah teenager who goes by the name of the Fish Bandit and is currently facing charges after being arrested for allegedly taping fish to ATMs, bathroom stalls, and even a police cruiser. All right, that's, that is a little epic, so let me continue. 17 years old, he's been documenting this fishy business on Instagram since August of 2023 and was arrested at the end of December. His Instagram page has over 75 and a half thousand followers with a bio that reads live laugh tape fish on atm no fish were harmed in the process those videos of his they've received well over 10 million views and i swear i had seen one of these pictures somewhere on the internet didn't realize exactly what was going on one of the videos even captioned we're going international and it seems to have been recorded at an atm over in japan of all places the fish do appear frozen, but it just seems like a waste of perfectly good food, right? It was kind of funny, though. The fish bandit taped fish around Provo and Orem, Utah at least 14 times, but only two of those cases were serious enough to press charges. He was referred to juvenile court for two misdemeanor counts of causing property damage. Police are uncertain about the team's motive and where he got the fish, they believe this was all done as a joke, and they've stated that fish pranks do cause minimal damage. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim. Knowing what I know, it was probably the police car incident that got him in the most trouble. Anyway, and now we're heading to the land down under. Please tell me you sang along with that. Anyway. A three-year-old boy climbed into a claw machine down in Queensland, Australia, and ended up needing a rescue from the police. The Queensland Police Service said in a Facebook post that the boy, named Ethan, had climbed into the claw machine film filled up with Hello Kitty plushies. He went in through the prize chute, and he was unable to find his way back out. I swear we have all had this incident, or we know somebody that's done this before, or it was just like a, a fear that our parents put into us about getting stuck in the claw machine. I don't know. Maybe it was just me. There's a video that accompanied the post and it showed Ethan's parents were directing him to a back corner of the machine, telling him, you know, cover your eyes so the officers could break the glass. He was then lifted out of the machine and returned to his family uninjured. In the video, you can hear an officer saying, you want a prize? Which one do you want? The post said the toddler played his part of the game quite beautifully. The Facebook post also gave the final score of the encounter. Ethan and the police won. Claw Machine, zero. That's where you can't let your eyes off of any kid for a second, can you? Precocious little scamp. All right, now, if there's one thing that is certain in life other than death and taxes, is that people will spend money on just about anything. There was a lemon found in the back of an old cabinet drawer. 
285-year-old lemon, to be exact, and it was just auctioned off in England. The winning bid, $1,780. Rattel's auctioneers in Shropshire said a 19th century cabinet was brought to the auction house by a family who said it belonged to, like, this deceased uncle. And a specialist was photographing the cabinet for sale when the lemon was discovered in the back of this drawer. Now, the fruit was actually inscribed. It said, given by Mr. P. Lou Francini, November 4, 1739, to Miss E. Baxter. Well, the auction house decided, we got a sense of humor, let's sell this thing. And officials were, needless to say, they were shocked when it actually fetched the bid of $1,780. Well, what about the cabinet? The cabinet sold two for $40. Priorities, I guess. Look, y'all, I've heard of buying a lemon before, but this might be a little ridiculous. We are officially one month into the new year of 2024, and so far... We've dealt with Taylor Swift fighting explicit AI images of herself. Polly Shore accused of assault. We're seeing a lot more layoffs, and I can't imagine we're done with those yet. Pokemane has exited Twitch. We've had toddlers in the claw machines and random fish being taped up everywhere. Thank you guys so much for joining me today, and honestly, every week. I want to remind you guys that we do include the links to all of my sources and all in the comment section i want you to be able to see what i can see and see more also don't forget to drop us a comment or send us an email if there's a story that you want us to cover that we haven't found yet join us next time as we check out the latest in entertainment news remember guys stay comfy in that starter zone this is amanda good luck and have fun Listening to the Starter Zone with Amanda. I am Raven. We thank you for your time and support. Without you, we simply would not be. Please hit that like and subscribe button and visit us on Facebook and Twitter at The Starter Zone. Have we missed something? Have something to say? Leave us a comment or send us audio clips for your chance to be on the show. We invite you to come back for more exciting news and commentary on the world around you. See you next time in the Starter Zone.